On today's episode, I'm talking with Zanna Locke, who suffered heartbreaking loss when her precious baby girl Magnolia was delivered stillborn. She shares some real, raw, and honest truths about child loss and living with grief. We also talk about how her and her husband found purpose in their pain by creating a charitable organization. Care of NOLA is a legacy project to provide small tokens of love and understanding, specifically intended to take care of grieving parents in honor of Magnolia, affectionately referred to as NOLA. I'm so grateful to Zanna for her brave vulnerability and willingness to share her story. Please support her organization by visiting www.careofnola.org. Thank you for listening. Hi, my name is Kristen McAlizzi. I'm a mindset and empowerment coach, a mother of four, a proud wife, a sister, a friend, and a lover of life. Each week, I want to bring you conversations that will touch your heart, make you laugh, inspire you, teach you, and help you grow into the fullest, realest version of yourself. I believe when we dare to be vulnerable and share our stories, we see the humanness of one another and often recognize the bravery inside of ourselves. Whether it's extraordinary or seemingly ordinary, everybody has a warrior story. Welcome to The Warrior Within Us. Okay, so today I have Zanna with us and she is coming to tell her, like you've probably heard me use this word before, beautiful warrior story. Mm. Um, And I really just want to thank you for being here with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate having this space to share my story and I hope it's helpful to someone. (laughs) I know it will be. I know it will be. So tell us a little bit about um, who you are and just to give a little background on why you're here today. Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, my name is Zanna, as you said, and I am uh, the mother of three beautiful children, Grace, who's seven years old, Magnolia and Emmett. Um, And Magnolia, who we call Nola, um, our big story with her is that she was actually stillborn in May of 2019. And she is uh, an incredibly important part of our family, even though she did not take a breath outside of, uh, out out in the world. And we do a lot to kind of try to keep her her story uh, really present in our lives. And so I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about her um, with you. And it is, it is brutal. It is a uh, incredibly sad uh, and and beautiful story um, of her and our family. So, so she was. We had a very very uh, pretty typical pregnancy with her. A um, couple of uh, question marks at the beginning, but she was very wanted uh, little baby, and unfortunately, um, she she was born um, on May sixth. And as my daughter says her birthday and her, the day she died are the same day. Mm-hmm. She likes to tell everyone, including the mailman, um, <laughs> the people at takeout restaurants, the, anyone who will listen to her, her bus stop buddies, anyone, uh, she can tell, she will tell about Magnolia or Nola. Um, and she also, Nola is, um, a second vote. Her sister is 
always votes on her side when we have family votes. So she's still very present in our family decisions. <laughs> um, so so um, I, I think it's really important to talk about child loss because it's one of those unimaginably hard pieces of grief that I think, um, as we were talking about before, Kristen, there is almost nothing to say. There's nothing that feels right to say when someone has lost their baby. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually a social worker by profession, by training. And so I've worked with a lot of people who are sitting in grief. And I remember thinking after Nola died, oh, I wish I could call each one of those people and apologize for not understanding, mm. you know? So I really sitting in grief and being able to talk about it, it's a whole different, um, it's a whole different world, you know? And your whole uh, outlook is shifted for a while because you, um, and I shouldn't even say for a while, I think I, I'm still grieving. I grieve mm -hmm. her every day and I, uh, it, I feel like there was a before Nola died, before deep grief and after, and I am a different person uh, because of that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it has shaped me and informed the way that I, that I think about things and the way I, um, uh, I think provide empathy to others in a very significant way. And um, so I think it's really important to, to be speaking about what child loss is like, um, how, it, how it impacts uh, a family, uh, yourself, uh, marriage, all that stuff. It's just, it's, it's hugely important. And um, one of the things that, uh, that I really have talked a lot about with, with my husband and with others who have uh, been in this position is, you know, how do you kind of, how do you tell people what you need when you're sitting in grief? Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes you don't want to be the person who has to, to kind of give that education, but um, what you really need, I think a lot of times, at least I speak for myself is for, first of all, someone to really be available to hear your story, to let you just speak the name of your dead person and, um, and just, just let it like, just cry, no solutions, no advice, no, um, no quips about, you know, oh, this is, this happened for a reason or, um, <laughs> or, uh, you'll all be better for this in the long run, or she's in a better place now. None of that, just, just sitting there and, and sitting with it. Right. Um, right. I think so often we're kind of pushed to find the good, pushed to find the positive piece, um, kind of the good vibes only kind of way of looking at things. And uh, while that can be really, really helpful in some situations, when you're in grief, you just got to be sad for a little yeah. while. Yeah. Just have to be sad, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's one thing. And then another thing that we really noticed is that especially uh, it's this tender time for stillbirth, especially there's a tender time of recovering physically from childbirth without your baby there. Mm. And it's a time that's supposed to be so full of 
happiness and joy and uh, people checking in with you to see, you know, are you sleeping? Oh gosh, that's, you know, is, is, is she eating? Okay. You know, all these things that you're, that you're wishing for, uh, posts on, the, on social media to say, oh, welcome to the world. This like beautiful little child, all these things that you thought would fill your space while your body's recovering to kind of distract you, take your mind off of those things. None of it's there. Yeah. None of it's there. And, you know, I remember my midwife saying, you really need to don't do anything for three weeks. Don't, don't do a single thing with your body. Just sit. And I thought to myself, if I have to sit here and just think about my, yeah. my sad story for one more minute, I, I wanted to get out and like, just pound pavement. You know what I mean? I just wanted to walk or run or do something that would make me feel like in some way like I had agency over my body again, right. you know? I imagine you wanted to escape from not only what you were experiencing emotionally, but physically just to not even be in your right. own body to just like take residence somewhere else. But, um, you know. Yeah, I remember thinking, I remember thinking, okay, if I can just dig a hole for myself and crawl in there for six months, I'll come out, I'll be past all this stuff and I'll be okay. I'll be at least okay. Mm. And um, so, yeah, having to kind of, as you said, kind of take residence in my own body and kind of deal with the distrust I had in myself and the idea that your body just knows what to do when you're pregnant and having a baby, that was all shaken to its core. Um, and, and I was hurting and I was dealing with all the things you deal with after you have a baby. And one of my, one of my dear friends sent me a care package with, you know, some, a little coloring book for grace. It had all the like overnight maxi pads that you might need, like just extras. She sent me these uh, ice packs that are made for the breast to help with suppressing lactation, which was possibly the most painful, emotionally painful part mm -hmm. of having a baby was, uh, and, and having her not be there was, my body didn't know she was gone. Mm -hmm. And so the milk came anyway. And having that physical reminder, and then having to kind of just shut it off, you know, and her deal with the process of it just kind of drying up and shutting off, that was that was incredible. It was something that I didn't really realize would be such a big part of it. Right. And it's just such a real physical reminder of this is not the way it's meant to be. This is not supposed to be this exactly. way. Exactly. I, I think that, uh, you know, in, in the experiences, not personal experiences, but the close experiences I've had with child loss in general, the thing that always strikes me is it's such an unnatural way, right? Like it's not, it's not a, it's not the way it was designed, you know, in the grand scheme of, of life. It's, and it's also something, I think that there are experiences that we all go through, right? That, um, that collectively we can understand because there's a, you know, most people go through the same thing in their lifetime. Like parent and, loss or 
Right. Correct. Right. right. And um, this type of loss and type of, of grieving is just so specific to just some families that have to experience this, um, <sighs> that there's not a collective, like, this is what this feels like. And um, not that anything we go through, we're all going to handle the same way or feel the same way about, but, you know, there's just some things that people go through in their lives that's unique to them and a small group of people that, um, you know, have to go through something similar. Yeah. I think about that with, with my daughter too. She wanted to tell everyone about her sister. And I don't think she knew as a five-year-old, why would she, that not everyone would have that same experience. You know, not everyone would be able to relate to having a sibling that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, live with her in the house uh, and is just kind of, is a, is a, a memory, you know, is, um, and I, I mean, she is, was probably the most graceful mm. in our whole, in our whole family about how she managed that, uh, asked so many good questions. So, uh, so much just honesty and, and vulnerability and, um, and love, you know, she, she, we weren't sure if she should come to the hospital to see her sister and she really wanted to, and we let her. And mm -hmm. she was the one who said, okay, let's take a picture with all of us with the baby. And that's the only picture we have of the, of the four of us. And it's, I'm so glad we have it. And that she, <laughs> she knew in her little tender heart that we needed to have that moment of all four of us together. And she's beaming, you know, and she knew she understood she yeah. understood what was going on and that is her sister and she was so thrilled to have a sister that looked you know she looked exactly like her just so took ownership of her right away um and has never let go of her you know in that way and just keeping her close but to your point before i think um it, it is a hard it's a hard role to be a a, a grieving parent um and there's no word for it, right? We have, uh, we have words for, you know, widows, widowers, the, the big people that you lose. We have those words. We have something that surrounds that, some vernacular, some lexicon of like, okay, this is how we manage this. For parents who lose their babies or children, um, there's not a good setup for it. Mm. You know, there's not a good you know, there are no cards, <laughs> there are no, um, there are no kind of good standard ways to approach it. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so we did find that there were a lot of people who, um, who couldn't, who couldn't step up mm -hmm. for us in that way then. And there was no hard, there were no hard feelings about that really, just kind of a, um, a noticing, you know, we noticed when that was too hard for people and we felt how hard that was. And so we didn't judge anybody for not being able to stick, stick with it. Um, but it was, it was, a, there, there were losses there too of, um, of, of those who didn't understand, who couldn't understand and um, who just didn't, didn't have these 
the ability at that moment to sit with us mm-hmm. in, in the hard part. Um, so yeah, it was, um, I, I describe the grief sometimes as it felt like this wild animal that had taken residence in our home. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing in my journal and feeling like if only I could teach this grief animal, this wild grief, some tricks, <laughs> some sit stay type of tricks. Like if you could just lay down at my feet, yeah, you can stay, you can stay here, but just sit quietly, please just sit down. Don't, don't be erratic. Don't try to get up in my face and lick me. Like just, just sit down, <laughs> you know, and uh, if you do that, then I think you can stay, you can, you can stick around. But I just felt like it was this wild, feral beast that couldn't, couldn't be tamed for a long time. Um, and-, and at the same time, you have your, re- your general responsibilities, like yeah. just for yourself, for your, for taking care of your own being, but then also to be parenting another child at the same time, which we all know, like, doesn't get put on pause no matter what like we have to you know um in all the moments show up and um and I imagine there's a lot of sort of passing off of responsibilities that you don't want that you don't want to pass off but that it's you know probably somewhat survival to say I have to let go of some things um and I mean, I'm only like thinking of attempting to put myself in that scenario that, and, and I think that that's sometimes, you know, it, because I, I hear some similarities in your story in terms of bringing home a baby that I got to bring home, but didn't end up being the baby that I thought I was. There's getting. grief there. There's so much grief there. Um, I, I think about that a lot. Yeah. And I think that, uh, and I'm speaking of my child with significant disabilities that like when something is so uh, different than the norm, right? The, different than the thing we've been conditioned and brought up and raised for the thing to look like, for everything, for the situation to look like people, there are a lot of people who just, when they don't know what to do, they don't do anything because they feel like, well, I'm going to mess it up if I do the wrong thing. And so I'm just going to not do anything. And um, then there are the people that are well-meaning that like do all the wrong things. Right. (laughs) And they probably ruin it for the people that don't do anything because they're like, well, I'm not going to show up in that way. So I'm just not going to show up at all. Um, But that's another reason why I do think it's so powerful and important to share our stories so that maybe we, even though we don't want the responsibility, right? Like you would much rather have your baby and I would much rather be having a different kind of conversation with you today. But maybe in telling your story, somebody will show up for somebody in a way that will help support them um, you know, in ways that they wouldn't have been supported if you weren't able to, to share your story. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope so too. I, I really love to talk about 
the pro the kind of the process of moving through those first weeks and months of grief because it was such a, it was such a crash course for me. I mean, I feel like I I just know so much more about who I am and what I needed and and how to ask for what I need now. And I will say one of the best one of the best things I realized was that showing up without knowing what to do is okay and saying it out loud. Gosh, I have no idea what to do or say right now. Mm. I'm so devastated for you. I've no I don't know what to say. Mm. Great. <laughs> that's that's perfect. You know what I mean? Um there's nothing to say. You know there's nothing about this that has a good clean sentence or or card or whatever that you can say. There's nothing clean about it. It's messy. It's it's un unwanted. It's just hard. And so I think having people just acknowledge that and be just be like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is whatever you, what, I don't know. And I think um, people want to be fixers and there's no way to do. fix this, right? Like there's, okay. there's no way to fix it. There's no way to make it better. There's no way to like help it even feel better. So the only thing you really can do is just hold space for somebody that's in that. And, you know, I know, I'm sure, and I'm going to make an assumption here that you also realize that there's really no way around it. There's no way over it. There's no way under it. If only way is through it. And, and, yeah. you know, that's, I think yeah. an unfortunate reality, because if there was a way to avoid the pain and the suffering, obviously, we choose that, but yes, it's going to yes. live some, it's going to take residence somewhere. And whether that be in your body or, um, in your relationships or in your home, it's going to yeah. live somewhere. It, you know, so, um, I just yeah. think it's so important to realize that the grief part is, un is unavoidable. Like it's going to be, yeah. process, and, and it's probably, uh, something that it's not like a journey with a destination, right? Like there's never going to be a place you're going to arrive to where you're going to say, wow, we made it through that one. Like that doesn't exist. It's, this is just part of the landscape of your existence now. And, um, just being able, I think to, I mean, I don't know, you tell me like being able to honor and, and speak your baby's existence is, is part of that process right. of grieving. Yeah. Because I think yeah. so often when anybody loses anyone, they think like, oh, I don't want to bring up that thing that happened because we might like be ripping off a scab, but like, you're not forgetting that yeah, you it's open. a baby. Yeah, there. The you, wound you know? is there. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not like if I mention it or ask you how you're doing or um you know I I have a, a friend who recently shared a photo of her um baby who was still born on her anniversary of her or her birthday and um you know I've learned some things about you know because people share their stories and are willing to be brave and vulnerable and share their stories like I knew like me not saying anything or just saying like, I'm sorry for your loss. Like it doesn't, it, 
I, I told her her baby was beautiful and he wished her a happy birthday. And I think right. that's yeah. like so much of like what we've been taught for whatever reason to avoid doing, but it's like, you remember you had a baby and you named her and, you know, there is, there is life in her existence, even though she's not here. So yeah. like being able to celebrate the fact that she does exist yeah however you yeah. want to look at that I think yeah. it's just so she's a part of your history and and right. so ignoring the fact that she she exists on some level whether it you know and everybody has a different philosophy and different faiths so so none of that but none of that really matters in the sense that she so was nice. there and she is because she was and so right. let's just honor that you know yeah, I think exactly. I have a very dear friend who who drops off a birthday card for her every year and writes it to her and tells tells her how much she misses her, like how much there's so much, you know, she'll text me sometimes. I miss Nola so much today. Just wanted to tell you, you know? And I think something that you just said reminded me of a huge piece of learning that I've had through this whole process, which is ongoing and forever and forever and forever mm -hmm. will be going on, mm -hmm. um, is this idea that two seemingly contradictory feelings can live together and in fact be so intertwined that you cannot separate them. So you can be grieving and joyful at the same time, you can be content and angry <laughs> at the same time. You can have everything seem so wonderful in your life and have something be missing and empty. You know, there's so, there's so much there. I think that we live in a, in a space where we want to be able to like attach one emoticon to like one emoji to the, to a feeling and to a, a time in our lives. But there's, there's so much liberation in being able to say, oh, it's okay that I'm sad and happy at the same time that those, those can both be true. Mm. And that's actually, it's very liberating to be like, oh, that's normal to be totally, totally distraught and also grateful and also angry and all, you know, all these things, like they can live together. And if you make it so that that is not, this does not feel like a normal way of existing, then you're always, especially when you're grieving, you're always going to feel like you're wrong, like mm -hmm. you're or you're ill or you're, you know, like there's something that needs to be fixed with you. Right. And so having that understanding that, uh, you know, we like can be so grateful that we have these two beautiful, healthy living children and be so, feel so um, lost without our third baby, you know, like there's just um, that all, that all is true. To have okay. just to know that you have the capacity to carry all of that and then that that's perfectly imperfect and okay, right? Like yeah. because I think I don't know, I think a lot of it is our conditioning with with we're like taught it's one way or the other. We can't, you know, um, 
And I think when we get stuck in that thought process of like, we can only be one thing at one time, um, most of the time our brains would pick all the negative, right? And get stuck yeah. there because mm-hmm. that's actually probably a lot more comfortable. Like, you know, I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of guilt involved in like, oh, can I feel joy? Can I, can I, you know, um, when I'm supposed to be grieving, um, but you don't have to choose. So like, if you're, if you're thinking like, oh, if I'm supposed to be grieving and I'm joyful, then I'm wrong, or I'm supposed to be joyful and I'm grieving, I'm wrong. No, you can actually be both. And yeah, like I think and I think it's the ticket maybe to like, just how you're going to make it because you know other the alternative is just going to keep you stuck in the revolving door of you know just being stuck like um right and I think kids do this really well which is why it was so (laughs) it was very um it's just wonderful to have our daughter Grace in our lives at this point because she just modeled such healthy processing for all of us. But I remember uh, with, and she forced us to talk about it because as I said, she talked about, talked to everyone about it. But she, I remember she went to school, uh, the, you know, whatever, first day after she was in preschool. And I was so nervous. I sent an email to the parents. I was like, she's going to talk about it. Everybody's going to be totally offended or freaked out or something like, kids are going to not know what to do. And she walked into the classroom and she said to her first friend she saw, she said, Oh, my sister died. And her friend said, Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to go play? And that was like, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Let's go do our thing. Let's go Mm -hmm. do our kid thing. You know? (laughs) And I, I heard that and I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) Like, let's all acknowledge, hold space. And then like invite the person to like do the thing that they want to be doing or that they need to be doing, you know, Mm. like, come with me, just come be with me. You know, (laughs) that was just such a, it was such a helpful modeling for me. So then, you know, we start being like, okay, yep, here's our daughter. Here's this, here, here's our loss. And, and we are still complete people that need all the things we needed before. So, um, I, 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 to say I've learned a lot through this is an understatement. It is a, a constantly surprising and growthful <laughs> uh, situation. I mean, it's every day is a journey uh, through this, and um, I hope I hope that we're making we're making inroads. But as my one of my grief gurus, Nora McInerney says you have to move forward with grief and not move on from it. Mm. it just it walks with you and you walk with it and if you can give it some space to to kind of just take part of the sidewalk with you then you're going to be you're going to be in a much better place than if you try to shove it shove it down the sewer yeah. you know then i imagine it's going to like it i i picture like you know trying to fit into clothes that are really too tight and you're shoving everything yeah. in and it's popping out all over the place. Right. Because right. You need a new wardrobe. <laughs> it's gotta be, it's gotta be um, I don't know. There's just like things in life that we're going to want to evo- like push away. 
But I think when we deny our realities, that's when the problems, the really like, I don't know, yet you have to keep breathing, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that um, even when you don't want to, which right. I'm sure there are probably still days that oh yeah you when you least expect that them to um, absolutely yep it comes up I sometimes will tear up and I we're big I'm a big crier I have very comfortable tears I have to have a good cry every three weeks or so or else you know it's going to come out in a weird way so mm-hmm. I you know I'll often just tear up when I think about Nola and I'll turn to my husband I'll say gosh I'm so sad that that happened to us like it's so sad that she died mm-hmm. and he kind of laughs at me he's like yep still true <laughs> still a true story that this is yeah. a sad thing that happened mm-hmm. but it's almost like it it surprises me I'm like how did this sad thing this real how did this really happen to us yeah yeah um and I I think it, it can be you know it's kind of it can be it's just such an ongoing thing and you feel like maybe you're supposed to be uh, over talking about it all the time you're not supposed to bring it up all the time everything's not supposed to remind you about your baby who's not here but um a lot of things do and so I've been you know been really trying to give myself some some the, the benefit of the doubt and saying like it's okay it's okay when that stuff comes up to just name it yeah and um and I because it can be isolating otherwise. And I think that's something that we've really been thinking a lot about my husband and I and our daughter, just about how to make this feel less isolating. And so that's one of the big things that we are thinking about with this this organization that we started, this small kind of grassrootsy <laughs> type of organization called Care of NOLA that we are, um, that we're, we're working on. And it's basically to provide care packages to parents who have lost a baby either through stillbirth or miscarriage to just give comfort, say the names of, talk about what happened in a card, like just, we're going to send you this stuff because we know, unfortunately, what you're going through and just know that you're not walking this alone and, and take care, be good to yourself, be, be so kind to yourself because that was something that I really struggled with is being, being kind to myself after this, trying to, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, guilt and trying to find fault and trying to figure out what went wrong or what I could have done differently. And, you know, obviously I can say with my logical brain that that's not helpful, Hmm. but that's what you go through, you know, Um, as a mom, especially, I think, condition to be like, okay, there should have been something I could have done mm-hmm. to keep my baby safe. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think again, kind of just like reaching out to those who are going through this to be like, take care, take care of you yeah, because, uh, you, you can do it the best, even though it's the hardest. Right. And I think that that level of, or, or that notion of self-compassion is like one of the biggest pieces because then I think that there's even times you feel guilty for feeling guilty. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like such a complex process. Um, I'm sure. And, you know, I remember even with Anthony, um, 
I stopped breastfeeding him because he had feeding issues. And I remember being in the shower and thinking like two weeks after I stopped breastfeeding him, like maybe if I just kept breastfeeding him, his head would grow and he would like, it would be better. Like he'd have less disabilities if I just breastfed him longer because you do like we, we, I think, especially as moms think like so much is within our control. So then when something doesn't go right, then so much is our fault too, you know? And it's like, really just knowing that even having those thoughts, we can have compassion for ourselves just for having the thought that we mm-hmm. know isn't the logical thought and isn't, um, you know, our, our, our responsibility, but allowing ourselves to have the thoughts that we have and, and then having mm-hmm. compassion for ourselves that um, we're thinking in that way. So I think so much of grief is about you know, self-compassion and just accepting that you're going to go through these ups and downs. And, you know, I think that you sharing your story is so significant. I think probably in your own healing process, but then also for other people to hear that, you know, somebody else understands, because I think that that's a lot of, I mean, I, I imagine that might be a lot of what you go through is just thinking like nobody will ever understand. And even if somebody has like a similar situation to you, like it's not your situation, it's not your baby. It's not the one, your your baby that you had, it's theirs and that's different, right? Just even if it feels sort of the same. So, um, and then I just think giving people this opportunity um, to feel supported, is just so important because I think we've all, we all know somebody that's been through grief and especially this very unnatural form of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And to know that there are people out there that are willing to put together something to help other people. um, I think that's really beautiful. And there's so, there's, there's so many resources actually out there that uh, again, you don't really come in contact with these resources until you need to and become part of like a sad club, right? Mm-hmm. So I remember being in the hospital after Nola was born and there was there was a memorial, like a little memorial care package where, you know, you could collect a little bit of her hair or keep a little, you know, keep the, the hat that she wore and, you know, just to kind of memorialize the baby, right? And that was incredibly needed and wanted, you know, we, we go through that box and it's very therapeutic, you know, it's very good to have that mm. box. And someone had to think of that right. to provide that. Right. There was a little, um, a little cot, I think they're called cuddle cots or I, I, I have to look that up, but, um, there is, it was a little cot that was placed on top of a, like a refrigeration unit so that the baby could stay with us mm. and be intact for a little bit more time. Someone had to think of that. Mm. Someone had to go through something so hard and say, you know what? Parents need more time with these babies. As weird as that might sound, they need to be able to be with these babies for as long as they need to. Mm. So let's make sure that the, the babies stay as intact as possible mm. so that there can be this time for the family to, to love them and hold them and physically, you know, and someone had to think of that. And our feeling after leaving the hospital was, you know, something that could, could be added to this kind of array of resources was, um, 
it was a bag of of stuff for the for the for the parents you mm-hmm. know for for the the birthing parent and the non-birthing parent to really kind of take care of of their their tender grieving selves you know um and so that's kind of that's kind of what we're thinking and as we've been doing that i've noticed other grieving moms have done similar things too and it's so cool to find these other pockets in the country of of moms being like okay i want to send out stuff to other people who are going through this so um how beautiful is it that after, when you go through hard things there's some pull to make it not as hard or or to acknowledge the hard for others you know that is a real like unexpected in a lot of ways, uh, unexpected consequence is, is that there's this, this deep longing to make things, to make hard things a little more tolerable, Mm. not less hard, not better, but like a little bit more, uh, a a little bit more soft somehow, you know, just a tiny bit, (laughs) you know? So, um, it's a great honor to be, to be thinking about that for others and, um, and we hope that it really, we, I hope we, we can add to it with, with input from other folks who've been through this. And we've noticed that we were just going to be doing it for stillbirth, but miscarriage is a highly common and highly painful and highly under, um, under-resourced, mm. you know, part of our human experience that needs to be that needs to have a little bit more tender, loving care attached to it. I think we're like waking up to realizing that not like brushing any of this stuff, like under any proverbial rug is going to ever work. Right. Like, and people obviously need, sometimes people need different things. Sometimes people need space and time and time away and like almost to be in a cocoon to go through their process. But I think for, for so many generations, we've just like wanted to ignore the tough things in life. And, um, you know, and sometimes we still do, right. There's still like this highlight reel where we only want to talk about all the good stuff, but it's like so needed and necessary to get the word out there that, uh, like life is hard and there's shit that happens that shouldn't happen. And we can just really just feel really shitty about it and talk about it so that mm-hmm. people don't have to feel alone in their grief. Um, so I just want to thank you for agreeing to come and tell your story. And, um, you know, I, I just, it shouldn't have had to happen to you to tell, to, to be here to tell. I would give it all, I would give all this up. <laughs> for to have to have uh our magnolia back with us um we miss her dearly and uh we love her so much and i'm so so glad to be able to say her name out loud to whoever will listen and uh so grateful that there's a space like this to to share a little bit of of our stories of our hard things absolutely so if someone uh wanted to contact you about the resources that you have to offer what would be the best way to do that Yes. So we have a website. It's www.careofnola.org. So C-A-R-E-O-F-N-O-L-A.org. And um, there is a place there to uh, request a, 
a care package to someone who you know or for yourself or whomever. Um, there's also, we have a, um, we're on Instagram as well at Care of NOLA and on Facebook. And we will be launching our donation button soon if anyone um, would like to donate to just get the, the care package items. Um, we use the money for care package items, shipping, things like that. We're going to we ship out care packages, but we're hoping to be in local hospitals soon too to, to get the care packages to people right away because they do include some time sensitive um, lactation suppressant uh, type of products like the ice packs and some tea. Um, and then for miscarriage, there's a slightly different uh, care package that we, we use, but does include some kind of physical comforts also for the birthing parent. So um, yeah, we, we of course never, never love to get the referrals for these care packages, but um, our hope that that our package landing on someone's doorstep um, feels like a, a a warm hug of understanding. Mm, absolutely, that's beautiful. And I um, encourage anybody who feels called to make a donation to keep a, a such an important program like this um, moving in the right direction. So I really, really appreciate you coming and sharing your story. And um, I hope we can stay connected. I think you are a beautiful person. So I really- I got you, Kristen. Thank, Thank you, thank you so, so much, Kristen. It was such a joy talking with you. Thank you. What an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it and you want to hear others like it, I would love it if you check out the links in the podcast description. I'd be so grateful if you would subscribe, leave a review, and share it with anyone who would also enjoy it. You can also find me over on Instagram at K-R-I-S-T-I-N-M-I-C or visit my website at www.thewarriorwithinus.com. Talk to you soon. Thank you.